Hello, I'm Paola, and welcome to Contemplative Revolution, a podcast by the WCCM, about what it means to live a contemplative, spiritual and Christian life while still playing an active role in the modern world. Join us for conversations with fellow contemplatives in action from around the globe. In this podcast, Father Lawrence Freeman gives the opening talk of the Monte Oliveto Retreat 2018. You can find the full content from this event on the WCCM website offering section. And now, enjoy the podcast. Being alone together. In Britain, they have recently appointed a a minister for loneliness in the government. London is the loneliness capital of the European Union, and not only since Brexit. Um, 14% of the population, I'll just drown you in statistics for a few moments. We'll get the bad news out of the way first. So 14% of the population of of Britain is lonely, or people describe themselves as lonely. That's 9 million people. And it's a contemporary cultural thing, not just an insular British thing. In Japan, there's actually a word, I think it's kodokushi, which refers to uh, a death of older people which is associated with loneliness in some way. One third of the citizens of Americans over the age of 45 say that they feel lonely much of the time. There are socioeconomic reasons for this, no doubt. More than half of people over 75 in the United Kingdom live alone. Quite a shocking statistic when you think about it. More than half of over 75-year-olds in Britain live alone. The Harvard Business Review, which puts a figure on everything, figure out how many billions it says loneliness costs, but um, they refer to it as a... The statistics are mounting uh, every day and mounting in the level of disturbance that they might create in us. Especially the fact that young people report that they feel lonely more often than older people, than pensioners. In the EU, one of the most affluent parts of the world, uh, there are more single-person households than than in any other part of the world. Suicide, which we could validly be associated with loneliness, is the third leading cause of death of people between the ages of 10 and 24. I met uh, someone recently whose 13-year-old child had quite unexpectedly, and for for no apparent reason at all, um, 
committed suicide. Now, there are many reasons that one could give for this, socioeconomic ones. I don't know whether the government is going to be able to bring a solution to it. I don't know if you could buy your way out of loneliness. I don't know whether even being successful and rich is any protection against loneliness. The, uh, Donald Trump's biographer said that his most <coughs> noticeable characteristic uh, was that he was the loneliest person that the biographer had ever met. So there are many reasons we could give for this phenomenon deconstruction of community, increasing individualism, individualization, atomization of, uh, of the population. The fact that we, are, we now see ourselves more often as consumers than we do as citizens. Consumers are a one-on-one -on -one relationship. Uh, citizens are by their very nature interactive and belong to, to groups and share and interact with responsibilities in those groups. But a consumer doesn't have responsibilities. A consumer only has rights. And rights, if you only focus on your rights, that can be very lonely. So, and if you look at uh, sometimes when you're waiting impatiently in a, 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 a queue for, to pay for something you're, you're buying. And I often notice that people linger in that, those moments of connection with the cashier. Do you ever notice that? That they really want to sort of hang on to that <coughs> interaction for as long as possible and start asking silly questions after, even after they've bought it. Maybe I'm just impatient, but that's how it seems to me. So it's a very, it's a very uh, self-defining element of our culture, this uh, commercial transaction in which we, because we've got the credit card or we've got the, the money, we have the upper hand, and, and it's our way of connecting with another human being, even in those few moments. And of course, obvious, obvious uh, connections must exist with our increasing online identity. The fact that we can, we can play any role we like on, in the digital world. And there's a wonderful aspect to online life, of course, we have many online meditation groups in our community, and they connect people who either are isolated meditators for one reason or another, maybe for illness, or they're housebound, or they live in the middle of the, the desert somewhere and there's no group that they can get to. Uh, and there's a wonderful aspect of the community that can be experienced, uh, you know, spiritually by meditating online together. But there's a, I always feel there's a danger in that as well. Um, I was always more skeptical of it than I am now, but, and I, I have re realized that in, in many circumstances, there is a real 
connection. It can be an expression of connection, and we need those signs. We need to see and have some evidence that we are with someone uh, to deepen the experience. But I think there's also a danger in that, that the online group could, could be seen as an alternative to you know, real reality, to the flesh and blood reality, for which you've paid a price also. <coughs> you have got into a car, or you've taken the bus or the train, and you've gone uh, out to sit with a group of people for an hour or so and meditate with them and then get up and go home. And there's, a, there's an investment of yourself in that, and a sacrifice of time and effort, which uh, is, is, of course, not as, <laughs> not as demanding as when you're sitting at home with your, doing it with your mouse. So I think there, there, is a, there is a real benefit and a real grace in the uh, virtual reality or in the digital world, but there's always the danger, and it's a very real danger in our culture, that we, we, we grab at it as a false mm, alternative. And then it could very easily become that, become something you become attached to with all the independence that the digital world can give you, because you can turn off your computer at any time, or you can just say, well, sorry, I've lost my connection, um, whereas you can't just walk out of a room when you're with a group of people. So I, I, I think the digital world has great, has great spiritual potential, but it's, a, it's still a digital world. So. Um, there's the danger, too, of the way in which public space in our cities and in our living areas has have become privatized. Not so, not so much in Italy, I think, certainly this part of Italy, where you go into the piazza at this time of the day and uh, you'll, you'll see what a public space really means. But uh, in many other parts of the world, the public space has become the shopping mall and uh, a place where consumers gather um, and the space itself is owned by the, the retailers. And then there's the, uh, the other uh, aspect, I suppose, of, of, uh, of loneliness, which is uh, the sexualization of loneliness. Uh, in the digital world, through pornography, um, and again, I know many people who met their life partners very happily and formed a lifelong relationship, you know, through, through, through online dating. But also, <laughs> I hear many stories of, of people who, you know, have a, a, a deeply, um, what's the word, sort of dis disillusioned by that world and the, the lack of uh, honesty, really, the lack of truthfulness that it can involve. So in a lonely society, I think we look for sexualized forms of consoling ourselves. 
for that loneliness. And I would say, you know, sexual abuse and of children, which is very much in our minds today, is, is an aspect maybe of that um, cultural loneliness. We're having a seminar uh, actually in London next, uh, in the next season, I think before the end of the year, um, on this topic on, of loneliness. There's no physical manifestation to loneliness, but many, for many people, it is some kind of epidemic. General practitioners, GP doctors, say that they see three to five people a day who will say to them they are lonely, that they feel lonely. So what, um, what is this loneliness then? What does it feel like to be lonely? Well, I'm sure we have all at some point or other, more or less, more or less frequently, experienced loneliness. You can feel lonely in any situation in life. And um, one of the so just, if you just recall, uh, there's always an element of shame or embarrassment about loneliness, which is why people often won't talk about it, especially men, I think. They won't talk about it. It's something that carries with it, interestingly, a kind of shame or a feeling of failure. And we'll, ex we'll explore what that comes from. And why loneliness isn't obviously just a modern phenomenon, but we're much more aware of it today, and we do seem to be a culture in which loneliness, as part of the human, which is an element of the human condition, has become accentuated and uh, responsible for an increasing amount of suffering. But what does it feel like to be lonely? Well, I think you feel as I say, it may be a sense of shame or a sense of embarrassment or a sense of failure, especially if you look at Facebook and everyone is smiling and everyone's having a great time and having a great meal and going on great trips and having you know, really fulfilling experiences and great relationships. You know, and you're, you're sitting at home watching all this. Nobody, nobody, I don't think, I don't use Facebook, but I think nobody goes on Facebook and says, I really feel lonely and miserable this evening. Do they? Maybe they do. But um, I think there's also a feeling of, of worthlessness, that I'm not worth anything. Otherwise, I wouldn't be feeling this. And then, of course, you start to get negative feedback because I'm feeling lonely because I'm worthless. And being worthless means I'm lonely. So it, it feeds off each other. And if you dig a little deeper into that feeling of being worthless, without value, without significance, you don't really matter to anyone. You don't matter to the world. The world would just would, would, wouldn't even blink if you disappeared from it. Then 
you dig a little deeper into that feeling, and I think you get to a, 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 this deeper level at which you could define it as being unloved, feeling that you are not loved or known. And this isn't only about being loved or known and accepted at this moment by people who love you, the people who have given you that sense of worth and value and of being loved may have died. But what they have given you is something you will never forget. Uh, you may still miss them, you may still be lonely for them, but the love that you experienced and the sense of self that that gave you doesn't disappear with their disappearance. In fact, it may even grow stronger. So, but the feeling that if you've never had that, you've never been raised in a loving environment, you've never really felt what it is to be the, 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 the subject of, an, of, a, of another person's total attention and total care, that uh, predisposes you to fall into this well of loneliness. It's also a feeling, I, I think, this feeling of loneliness, we're getting to the end of it now, so I don't want to make you too depressed. Um, but there's also this feeling that uh, you are unable to accept the gift of life. That you know life is wonderful, you, life is a gift, you want to enjoy it, but you can't, you just can't do it. It's like depression, when depression falls on someone like a great weight, uh, there's no point in saying just get up and get over it or, you know, cheer up. Uh, they can't. There's this feeling of helplessness. So it feels like a, a void. Sometimes people say that it feels like a bereavement, but it isn't that they are actually grieving for someone or something that they've lost, but they just have this general feeling that they've of loss or a feeling of being frozen. So, we're coming out of this tunnel now, in a moment. So, it seems to me that this feeling of loneliness is not just a psychological phenomenon. It clearly, is something we do feel psychologically. It's not just a sociological phenomenon, although it does seem to be very strong in our society today, in our most affluent societies, the lowest level of suicide in the Western Hemisphere is Haiti, which is, I think, also the poorest country, poorest country in the Western Hemisphere, and the most tragically hit by corruption and natural disasters and just, you know, a really dysfunctional society. But it's a place where, first of all, people are realistic about what life is, they don't fantasize a lot, and they help each other. So, 
it's not only psychological, it's not only sociological, I think it's spiritual. I think it, it takes us very close to the spiritual nature of the human being and to the real meaning of sin. Not sin as a legalized uh, force, the breaking of a rule for which you will be punished, but sin as something that we are born into. The Buddhists call it dukkha, or the unsatisfactoriness, the fact that things don't work, you don't get what you want, or there's something, uh, you know, life, life is, fails often to deliver its potential. So there can be this sense of failure and shame as there is in sin. There's the feeling of being judged in, when you're lonely, there's the feeling, why am I feeling this while everyone else is having such a great time? Or appear to be? Uh, what have I done wrong to deserve this? And very often that feeling that I have been judged, a little paranoia, develops very judgmental attitudes on the part of the lonely person too. And I think if you looked into racism or homophobia or uh, you know, anti-Semitism or any, any, any movement, any kind of sickness of the mind, really, that closes itself to other people and scapegoats or persecutes a minority, I think you would, you would fairly quickly come into contact with this phenomenon that, of which loneliness may be the external symbol or sign. So that's the, that's the, uh, that's the, um, that's the problem. And the diagnosis or the description of what many people feel, and I think people have always felt in, to some degree or other at some time or other in their life. So the question is, what is the solution? What is the healing of that terrible scourge that destroys life, maybe even physically, or robs life of its vitality and its meaning and its joy and its beauty? And I think that's what we're going to look at uh, in these days. And the, sing the, sing the single word, if, if you like, for the formula would be solitude, strangely enough. Solitude is the cure for loneliness. You have to understand what solitude means. But solitude is the cure for loneliness. And loneliness is a failed solitude, is a failure in being solitary. You've been listening to A Contemplative Revolution, a podcast by the WCCM. If you've enjoyed listening to Father Lawrence in his podcast, we recommend the course The 8-Bit Problems of Life, available on wccm.org. Goodbye.